Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry to impact your life. So share your story with us at info at And if God is using this ministry to impact you, we would like to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do so online at fellowshipgj.com. Select the giving option that works best for you and help us bring the message of Christ to this community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, hi. Oh, look at you with a happy birthday. That is so sweet. Thank you so much. I got up real early this morning. My son made me work on my birthday. I was up at 3.48 this morning. <laughs> that's like 4.48 body time, so that's okay. But when I was up this morning, I was praying. I asked my Heavenly Father for a present. Do y'all do that? He's your Heavenly Father. Why in the world would he not give you a present on your birthday? So I totally expect it, and here's what I ask. I asked that God would allow me in this new season, this year, to communicate his word on another level. I asked for a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, that I might communicate God's word to his people to do two things, to help, no, listen, to really help you, and to encourage, no, 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 to really encourage the people of God. So that's what I'm going for. I'm asking God, as a birthday present, to help and to encourage you. So here we go. Father God, we love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, and all of our strength. There are people in this room that I believe, and I, I don't want to, <laughs> there's nothing more I would love to do than to help people this morning. And I'm asking you, Father, please communicate through me your word, your truth. And I pray you speak it right into the hearts and lives of people that need help, people that need encouragement. And bless them, Father, I pray, as only you can. Do a great work in here today. We ask it in Jesus' name. May the word of God be clear. Give us clarity of thought, word, and mind. No distractions in this house. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen. No exaggerated hype. We're inundated with it. Everywhere we go, people are overselling. They're overtelling. They're exaggerating. They're flat out lying. And when you go to check in on it and you do a little bit of research, you find out, wait, that person was a lot cooler online than what they are in person. That product was built up bigger than what it really was. Ann and I were on a road trip last year. We were heading down to Florida to see my brother and his family. And uh, uh, on the way, we, we, we don't normally do reservations in hotels because Anna likes to pull up in front of the hotels. And normally, if you're on a freeway, you get off on an exit. There's like a Cracker Barrel and three, you know, hotels in that area. So you can, you know, you just look at the building and go, well, that looks newer than that one. That looks nicer than that one. And we'll, you know, do that kind of thing. But we, we stopped someplace to eat lunch. And we were going into an area, and we always stop about 6 o'clock, 6.30 at night before everybody piles in off the freeways so we can have a room, and, you know, without a reservation. So we thought, you know, I thought at lunch that day, I thought, well, we're going into an area I don't know, and uh, let's just find the best, you know, hotel so that we have a room that night. I'm really tired. And so I looked one up, and, and, and we'd always stay in a Holiday Inn Express or a Hampton Inn and Suites. And my wife would always tell me, honey, there is a major difference between a Hampton Inn and a Hampton Inn and Suites. 
Well, if you get the hotel reservation online, you can save so much more money with an online rate and things like that. And we're only sleeping a few hours, getting up, taking off, getting on the road the next day. So it doesn't really matter that much. And I'm a hunter, so I can sleep anywhere. She's not, and she can't. Are y'all with me? So I booked, I, she, I said, you know, I, I said, this Hampton Inn looks good. She goes, not a Hampton Inn. I go, no, no, it looks good. Look at the pictures. And beautiful pictures of the lobby, beautiful pictures of the outside of the building. I mean, the parking lot, good, good. They had breakfast, free breakfast, starting at 5.30 the next morning. And that sounded good to me. Coffee, free coffee. I thought, this will be great. This will be fun. So I booked it at a very low rate. Well, when we pulled up in front of the hotel about 6.30, 6.45 that night, the hotel didn't look anything like the pictures on the website. It looked like the pictures had to be 10, 15 years old. You walk into the lobby, there was a smell. You get into the elevator, there was a worse smell. And Anna's like, honey, let's go somewhere. I said, I already paid for it online. It's paid for. We're going to stay the night here. Won't sleep very long. So we got into the room and there was a rat in our room. And the rat made noise all night long, chewing, scratching, chewing. And Anna's picturing this thing getting in her luggage. And she's like, honey, oh my gosh, and I'm up. I'm trying to find the rat. Trying to, where's the rat? Where, where can I? And I turn the light back off, and you hear it again. And all night long, not really all night long, because about 3.30 in the morning, we got our bags, and we got out of that hotel room. Exaggerated hype. The truth and the reality of what that hotel was was nothing like what it was exaggerated to be. Now watch. In almost every area of your life, there will be exaggeration coming your way. There will be overselling. There will be people who tell you things that are simply not true. You'll find out the hard way that you put time and you put effort in a certain area or money or expense in something that did not really match up to what you thought it was going to be. And God says, with him... No exaggerated hype. I pull a text out of a story in the book of Numbers to be able to bring you this conclusion of this, this, this title that I've given you. And here is what the text says. The text says in Numbers, God is not a man, so he does not lie. Can men lie? The people lie, talk to me. Uh-huh. You ever told a lie, talk to me. Right, people lie to you. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Do people change your mind? Do women change your hair color? I mean, I want to get personal. If you're still living in the house you used to live in years ago, no, you change. You still driving what you drove five years ago? Probably not. Some of you have, have gone through change because that's what we do. But the Bible says when it comes to God, he does not change his mind. He will not do it for you, and he will not do it for anyone in the future. When God sets something in motion, it is in motion for all generations. He has, ha, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Yes or no, people? No. Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Yes or no? And then the prophet said, listen, I received a command to bless the people of God. God has blessed them, and it cannot I cannot reverse it. Our Heavenly Father wants you to know that he cannot lie. And he also wants you to know that without faith, it is impossible to please him. Faith in what? Faith in him. And the fact that what he says is facts. People sometimes will tell me that they have faith, and I'll say, well, faith, faith in what? 
For instance, a person will say to me, they'll say, you know that situation I'm facing, I, I'm just believing it's going to get better. And I'll go, really, why? Well, because my neighbor's got a second cousin, and that second cousin said they went through something kind of similar, and it got better for them. So my neighbor's cousin is believing that my situation is going to be So you're believing in your neighbor's cousin that you never met. Well, I Googled it online, and there's another person, you know, my gender, my age, you know, and they kind of went through what I'm going through. And, you know, there's a percentage of them that came out of it. So, so you're believing in Google. God said, if you love him, all things work together for those who love God. Your faith has got to be in God, the one who said that your life's going to get better if you love him, and not faith in just faith. That's not what God was talking about. Notice with me if you would. Our faith on the side screen is only as strong as the credibility of the person that you put it in. You can have two people in the same room telling you the exact same story, and you will turn away from one and believe another and not believe this one back here. Why? Because you of the character of that person saying it over that person, because of the history that you have, with the consistency of that person's word in your life in the past. That's why we lift this title out of this text, No Exaggerated Hype When It Comes to God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, it reiterates this. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Now that's kind of, it didn't say God couldn't lie, God wouldn't lie. It said it's impossible for him to lie. Now you think, well, wait a minute, this is God. God's God. God can do anything. And if God wants to lie, God can lie. Yeah, God can do anything. And so God spoke about his own character with a limitation. And the limitation that God and only God could put on himself was that every word that comes out of his mouth is absolute truth and that he cannot lie. His word is so powerful that if he steps in front of something that does not exist and he says it exists, it immediately exists. He can step out in the middle of nothing and call darkness light and immediately Darkness turns into light. You can say to yourself, you are weak, but if God says you are strong, then your weakness is lying about you because your God cannot lie, even when it comes to the things that he says about you. Proverbs chapter 30, verse five says this, every word of God proves true. Say that with me. Every word of God proves true. How many words of God? Come on, say it again. Every word of God proves true. No exaggerated hype. So when he says no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn, that is no exaggerated truth. When he says weeping may endure for a night but joy's coming in the morning, that's no exaggerated hype. Your enemies will come against you one way, but God said they will flee from you in seven different directions. That is no exaggerated hype. When he says, I will do what your eyes haven't seen and what your ears haven't heard and what your heart can't even conceive is possible, God wants you to know that is no exaggerated hype. If he says, I will do for you exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever think, or ask for. That is no exaggerated hype. When he says, I am the shield to all who come to me for protection, that, ladies and gentlemen, is no exaggerated hype because your God cannot lie to you.
That's why it's so important on the side screen that you speak and confirm his word over your life. Because if you don't speak and confirm his word over your life, you are going to listen to everyone else. And as a result of listening to everyone else, those words of theirs are going to try to define your future. Or even worse, they're going to try to define you. And those words are based on exaggerated lies. Those words that come out of the media, the media is wrong when it comes to how you and I should be living or what we should be thinking. If we're not careful to be able to speak and confirm God's word over our life, we are living in a culture where we're going to hear a lot of negativity. We're going to hear a lot of pessimism. We're going to hear some things that are just flat out not truth. And in developing our faith on a level that God wants us to develop it, to develop it in our culture, we're going to have to learn how to delete doubt on a regular basis. We have to delete doubt on a regular basis. You still have doubt, don't you? I mean, you're living in the flesh. Your mind's not saved. You still doubt some things. I mean, some of you have been coming to church 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You've been saved for a very long time. You sing worship songs. You read your Bible. You've got a history with God where he has walked you through things you didn't think you were going to be able to walk through, but you hung on to him, and he did. He's got history with you. He's consistent. He's never lied to you one time. But, 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 are there still seasons in your life where you doubt? Are you not like, and I'm not like the man, the father who came to Jesus in the New Testament and said, my son's sick and he's dying? I need you to heal him. And Jesus said, I can heal him. You, 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 you believe I can heal him, right? And the man said, I believe, I believe. Help me, help me though on the part that doesn't believe. I believe, but I don't believe. Wait, I, oh, oh, Lord, right, really quick, the Sunday school answer is yes, I believe, but, but uh, 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 I don't believe too. See, I love that about this man. He was just flat out gut level honest, wasn't he? I mean, he thought this, this is too important for me to fake like I'm feeling something and believing something that I'm not really feeling or believing right now. So he said, Jesus, I just got to tell you the truth. I believe, but I don't believe. Would you help me with a part of me that does not believe? Because I'm a mess on that side. And the Bible said God didn't recommend, uh, reprimand him. Jesus healed his son because he was just honest. Now, he could have said, he could have said, oh, yeah, yeah, my, my face's on 10 Hashtag Jesus has this. Hashtag winning. <laughs> the nine o'clock service didn't even get that. <laughs> but he didn't do that because his struggle was real. Yes, I believe, but this is too serious for me. And I, I don't know what I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Jesus stepped in and he did what he said he would do. You see, we all have that struggle with doubt sometimes, and that's why this revelation can be used as a weapon to diffuse personal doubt. What's the revelation? God cannot lie. So when you have other questions concerning the dilemma that you are facing, you've got to answer one question. What are you going to do in the future? What if that job plays out? What if that relationship's no good? What if that person lied to you? All these questions are going to come into your mind. You've got to answer one question and one question only. Can God lie? My grown kids not acting the way they should act. Well, the Bible says when you raise up a child the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Did God lie? Well, how old's old? I don't know. All I know is God can't lie. 
Well, shouldn't it have happened by now? Well, sure, it should have happened by now. I think it should have happened by now, but God can't lie. When you finally come to that realization, that revelation, it is a weapon that comes against all the doubt that will ever come into your mind because the enemy is going to pounce on you with dilemmas of doubt. In our culture, there are two main mentalities that have been around for a very long time. You're going to see this one in, listen, you're going to see this one in politics. You're going to see it in your neighborhood, your churches, your workplace, and in your families. The first mentality that is very popular is a fear mentality. A fear mentality is a scarcity mentality. It's a mentality that says there is not enough to go around. So God has to ruin your life in order to bless mine. That's a fear mentality. We're going to run out, so therefore, if I'm going to be blessed, you can't be blessed. A faith mentality is a surplus mentality. It's the attitude and mindset that God has more than enough, that God can bless every person on this planet times a million and still have an infinite amount of blessings left over. A fear mentality says God's got to ruin somebody else's life to bless mine. A faith mentality says there's enough that God has to go around for everybody that will ever live on this planet. Now, there is a character back in Numbers chapter 23 by the name of Balak. Balak was the ruler of the Moabite people. Let me tell you how this story unfolds and how this prophet jumped in the middle of it with his God cannot lie, he's not a man, don't change his mind kind of thing. Balak, the leader of the Moabites, came to a prophet named Balaam. By the way, Balaam's the one who said it the first part of the message. And Balak saw the children of God leave Egypt. He was okay with it. He saw the children of God spending 40 years in the wilderness, taking out two kings and all of their fighting men who came against God's kids. God had spoken blessings over his children and said, this is how my kids' lives are going to go. Doesn't mean it's not going to be easy. It's going to be easy. Doesn't mean people aren't going to come against them, but hashtag winning when it comes to my kids. Balak thought that if they enter into Moab, cross over the Jordan River at the end of this 40 years, that they would be wiping out all the Moabites and taking the promised land. Interesting point to the story. God had for his children a permitted place for them to be, and then God had for his children a preferred place for them to be. Watch. Everyone in this room are either living your life in a permitted place or a preferred place. A permitted place is God will let you. A, permit, a preferred place is God will want you. In a permitted place, you're asking, God, give me this. God, give me food. God, give me quail. God, give me water. God, give me new car. God, give me a better job. God, give me... In a preferred place, your prayers change to thanking. God, thank you for this new car. God, thank you for this promised land. Thank you for these blessings. Thank you so that this is easier than it was back. You with me? There's a permitted place God will let you live. There's a preferred place God wants you to live. So they were about to enter into God's preferred place for, the children of, for his children. Opposition comes against it called Balak. And Balak says, well, I've seen that they can whoop kings and people. So let's get somebody to speak a word curse over them that will get into their minds, get into their heads, because there is power in a spoken word. And there are power in word curses. So he said, let's get a prophet. And Balaam was the prophet. Now, Balaam wasn't a great prophet. He's just a prophet. But he was doing what God told him to do. 
They came to Balaam and said, Balaam, and Balak did, come up on this hillside, look down on those children of God that are about to cross over the Jordan River, going to come into Moab. I want you to speak cursings over their life so they won't uh, uh, progress. And uh, Balak, uh, Balaam says, no, I won't do that. God bless them, I can't undo that. God bless them, he promised their ancestors, so we can't undo it. Second time, uh, Balak came to Balaam and said, I'll give you money. Here's some things that will make it worth your while. Curse them and stop them. Uh, he said, I won't do it. Third time, wouldn't do it. Fourth time, Balaam says, well, maybe there's enough involved with me here now. It wouldn't hurt for me to say a little something bad about him. Kind of mess him up a little bit. So that's where we pick up the story. Numbers chapter 22 the next morning, Balaam got up, saddled his donkey, started off to the Moabite, with the Moabite officials. Two Moabite officials, by the way, were with him on this journey. That's an important note here in a minute. And God was angry with Balaam uh, that Balaam was going, so he sent an angel of the Lord to stand on the road to block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey bolted off the road into a field. But Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a place where the, Lord, where the road narrowed between two vineyard walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it tried to squeeze by and he crushed the, Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road, stood in a place too narrow for the donkey to get by at all. This time when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam, just flat out. In a fit of rage, Balaam beat the animal again with his staff. Now, Balaam says later why he did it was that the animal embarrassed him because of the two Moabite officials. That's important. So now the anger had built, one, two, three. It's escalated to a point where Balaam had lost his mind. Have you ever had something happen to you so much or so quickly that you just lost your mind for a moment? You had to repair that sheetrock you put your foot through. You had to buy her chocolates and flowers more than once because you got her. Have you ever, have you ever had something happen that you go, I mean, it's almost like you blacked out you were so mad and then you're having to repair it later well, this is to the point where Balaam gets, and I'm going to show you why in the next text. Watch this. He said, you may, the, the, the Lord gave the donkey, verse 28, the Lord gave the donkey the ability to speak. And the donkey says, what have I done to you that deserves you beating me three times? Okay, right here is where I would turn my attention toward God and go, what, what is happening? This is how I know he lost his mind. Balaam said, you made me look like a fool. Balaam is talking back to a Tonka donkey. And he doesn't find it weird. Balaam shouted. He said, if I had a sword, I'd have killed you. And the donkey says, but I'm the same donkey you've been riding on all your life, the donkey answered. Have I ever done anything like this before? And Balaam says, no. <laughs> then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. 
And Balaam bowed down his head and fell face down on the ground before him. And the angel said, why did you beat your donkey those three times? Look, I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would have certainly killed you by now and spared that donkey. And then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I've sinned. I didn't realize you were standing in the road to block my way. And I will return home if you are against my going. There are times, side screen, when God makes a way by making a way. And there are also times when God makes a way by getting in your way. Can I get an agreement with everybody in the room that there are things happening around you that you cannot see? And since our God is an intentional God, when God is doing something, he's doing something on purpose. So when God is doing something, he's still doing something. But when it appears to you that God is not doing anything, he's not doing anything on purpose. So when he's doing something, he's doing something on purpose. But when he's not doing something, he's not doing something on purpose. Because there are things that are happening around you that you cannot see. Got up really early this morning. Said, God, I'm missing something here. What do you want the take home to be? So I wrote this down about 4, 4.30, I don't know. We have to speak and confirm God's words over our life. Constantly. Every one of you in here has had a word curse spoken over you, over your family, over your marriage, over your future. You're too dumb to do better. You're never going to get a better job than that. What's coming against you is going to take you out. You're not going to survive this. You're going to lose this and lose that and lose the other. You're going to get what you deserve. Every person in here has had a word curse spoken over your life, I guarantee it. Just make sure you're not the one doing it. Because what comes out of your mouth breaks every other word curse that's ever been spoken over your life. I see people living their one and only life on this earth and I'm thinking, and I'll see how some live it. And I'll go, really? Seriously, that's how you're gonna live this one and only life? Negative, depressed, weak, broke, disgusted and busted, complaining, one life, and that's how you choose to live it? Your creator God said that you're above all and not beneath. 
Your creator God says you can do all things through Christ. Your creator God says you are more than a conqueror. Your creator God says when any comes against you the one way, they're going to flee seven ways. Your creator God says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And no evil that's spoken over you, you can condemn it back. So why would you choose to live it any other way? Wrote this down. Every good thing that you try to do in this life is going to come up against some degree of difficulty. Here's the dilemma. Is that the enemy that Jesus said in this life you will have trouble? Is that the enemy coming against you? Or is that God standing in the way to block you? How do you know? Give me a three-point message on that. Because look at this, I wrote this down. Maybe the route you are taking is not the route he is going to use to get you to your greatest blessed life. You think this is the answer? This is the only answer. Who told you that? But here's the dilemma. How do you know that you're not supposed to press harder because that's the enemy trying to stop you from a blessed life, God's preferred place? Or how do you know it's not God standing in your way wanting you to turn around and go another route? The only way you can know that is your personal, tucked in, concentrated, focused, one-on-one relationship with your Heavenly Father. He and only He can tell you that. Or you can be dead on that road. Or something else could happen to a family member on that road that you can't see, that God did see. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to, it doesn't have to make sense. Just have faith in the fact that your heavenly father sees what you can't. This last thing I wrote. God is wanting your faith in him to be bigger. Because in the next season of your life, you're going to need bigger faith. Bigger faith in him is not just for the now. Bigger faith in him is for the next. God's a way maker. Always has been, always will be. Sometimes he makes a way for you by making a way. Doors kicked open. Right people in your life. Wrong people, leave it. Thank you for that, God. That was clear, clear direction. Sometimes God will make a way for you by standing in your way. Not to keep you from something great, but to keep you from a permitted position to a preferred position. Do you know your job? God, concerning me and you, you cannot lie to me. So I'm walking in that to your preferred place. Your permitted place has been protected, blessed. Thank you. But it's like Groundhog Day to me. I've had enough of it. I want your preferred level. Would you stand with me? Father God, with everyone in this house that battles between doubt and faith, I pray right now that you would strengthen them in you, encourage them in you.
Let them feel how much you love them, that you've got them. If they're confused whether or not they're on a road that they need to turn around and go back, another direction you'd rather have for them to go, they're heading to a blessed, more blessed life. If they are on a road where opposition has come against them, that's kind of normal in this life. May they tuck in tighter to you. May you be a shield of protection around them. And may you send their enemies fleeing in seven different directions as they move forward. But only you can tell us which one it is. So we tuck into you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all get on out of here now. See y'all later. I'm going to go get some cake. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again. We hope to see you again next week.